Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S.com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. Have you guys seen Minding the Gap? 
If you haven't, stop what you're doing. Go to Hulu. I will send you my password. Just go see this documentary. It blew my mind, and it now has a place in my life story, my family story that can never be separated from. And I'm just, I'm just amazed by it. It is up for an Oscar. It is totally deserving of, but I didn't expect just because it didn't have the marketing campaign that a lot of the films had. It's a true little indie documentary that was done mostly by the one man band of Bing Lu. And, uh, Man, I haven't seen anything like it. So I'm going to tell you the little story. So I was at Full Frame Film Festival uh, with a press pass uh, here in Durham, North Carolina. I was writing for my column at chapelboro.com. And I wasn't sure what story I wanted to tell yet, but I was seeing some awesome films. And I had seen some, as happens at documentary film festivals, that were kind of heavy. Some about suicide and rape and just, you know, all these heavy topics. And so I had seen, I'd heard a lot about this, you know, this film Minding the Gap, which was like a skateboarding documentary about friends. And I, I didn't know if they were, it was kind of a coming of age story, but just even looking at the poster, I was like, oh, that looks like something I would dig. So I I went honestly thinking this will kind of be like a little, uh, a break. Like it's, it's going to be a good film if it made it into full frame, but maybe it won't be so, so heavy. Cause I didn't really do any research. I just, uh, I had seen that it was like some of the, uh, most anticipated films at the festival. And so I went, um, I think to a morning or early afternoon showing and the film is about skateboarding or about friends, uh, skateboarding friends. But what it's really about is is abuse, parental abuse and the cycle uh, of violence and how that creeps its way into um, next generations. And it just it was profound. And I was kind of I've, I've said it already I was blown away by it but I, I was almost speechless and I left kind of like a zombie I mean I definitely cried during the the movie because I saw so much of myself in those kids um, I grew up with an alcoholic father and uh, in an abusive childhood and it's it's done it, you know did a number on me psychologically I feel like I'm navigating it pretty well but what helps is is being able to tell these stories I've talked about it on stage I've written about it extensively and ultimately this is what Bing was doing with his film um and so when I came home after the film Maya and I were expecting Bellamy our daughter any day at this point um I was always nervous when I was going to the films at full frame you know, and I came back and uh, I came in the room and she was at my computer and she was just like, hey, babe, how was the movie? And I was like, it was uh, it was good. It was it, it was heavy. And I kind of teared up telling her about it. And then I walked away and I went to wash the dishes. And I just I just lost it. I just lost it right there at the at the sink. And I walked back into the office and I'm, I'm just bawling at this point. I'm like, Maya. I just need you to know that I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to continue this cycle because it had been going for a long time in the Bennett bloodline. And I was so moved by it that I had to reach out to Bing. And so I, I found his email online and I sent him an email and I just, I'll read it to you right now. I said, Bing, dude, I just stepped out of your full frame, frame screening and I'm pretty affected by your film. Well done, brother. 
My dad was an alcoholic and childhood was full of hor- horrible nights. The, the, there's a little bit of language in this episode, I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, the film fucked me up a bit and as I got home, I ended up crying and talking to my girlfriend due to give birth you know, any day to our kid. Um, and we talked about how easy it is to slip into the habits, behaviors of, of, of our parents and how destructive uh, that can be. Um, I said, look, I know you're pretty slammed, but if you have any time tomorrow, I'd love to speak with you. I'm a fellow filmmaker, and I'm here on a press pass and and writing for chapelborough.com. If not, maybe in the future. So Bing was like, hey, man, thanks for reaching out. This is totally the impact that we want to have on people. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you had the experience because... You know, we do slip in, in and out of those those patterns. Um, and he said, I got some time tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And so um, the next day I, um, I I met with him and I ended up writing about it for chapelborough.com. And this is the conversation that we had. And it is about storytelling. Most of it is about the cycle of violence. But in that regard, how we use our experiences, especially dark experiences, and weave them into our narratives and our stories. We talked about um, his choice to put himself into the film or himself as a character, which wasn't his initial um, uh, objective or, or, or strategy or or whatever. Um, I was blown away by the cinematography that he did. He was a skater, so obviously he was a part of the culture and understood the movement, and that, to me, felt a lot like how I approached Raise Up because I was part of the culture as well. Um, But he captured the movement beautifully, especially by being a one-man band, which, if you don't know what that means, it just means, like, you're doing everything. You're running the camera, the sound, the lighting. Like, you're just, you're you know, you're running it all. And so this is just an unedited um, version uh, or not version, but uh, yeah, an unedited version of our conversation. And I will fast forward just a little bit and tell you that after, and this is, you can go, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes for the chapelboro.com article. But after I came home that night, I was, from the conversation, I was supposed to uh, go see America to me, the first screening, uh, or the first episode rather. Um, for my last film of the festival, and that's when Maya got her first contractions. <laughs> so that day that I met Bing, um, later that evening, early in the morning the next day, actually, uh, we had Bellamy, we had little BB, and so it's something I will always think about now. He is someone I will always think about when I think about raising my daughter and how I will not, I will not continue those patterns. And this little film that totally was an indie darling that word of mouth spread, um, which is the best marketing and it didn't have a lot of dollars. It won all the awards. And I was like, man, I wonder if it's going to be nominated for an Oscar and, and it made the short list. And then damn, if it didn't get nominated. And I think Obama's, uh, list of his favorite movies of 2018 probably helped. Um, and maybe my chapelborough.com article, who knows, but I just got to say, um, and then I'm gonna cut to the conversation, I'm so ridiculously proud of being, this was like his first feature and I've worked hard in the past few years to, to be open and vulnerable and put my heart and my everything into the work that I do. And this guy learned that very early in his career and he is going to make a lot of noise in the industry. And I'm just, I'm so proud of him and the team. I, I, it, I'm clearly, clearly rooting for him to come home with the statue. What an amazing story that will be. 
If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. Like I said, I'll give you my password just so that you can see it. With that being said, I'm going to shut up. Here's me and Bing Lu, Oscar-nominated director of Minding the Gap. Check it out. Uh, like I, I told you, man, I just had to kind of uh, uh, reach out after last night because it was great. I shoot a lot of... Um, movement-based, sports-based stuff too. A film that I did that was released last year was this like extreme workout uh, subject that I followed around the world. And so like my first, my first thoughts watching was just like, just the movement and capturing that. Like I'm always uh, excited about that and how you did that. And especially because it seemed like kind of at the beginning it was just you following these guys before you had like a crew and that sort of stuff. Is that safe to say? I was a one-man band. Production-wise, I was a one-man band. Right. Besides my mom interview. Right, right. Okay, so that was the one. When I saw that, I was like, okay, it's a little bit bigger than that. But that's, like, been my steez for a long time. So I noticed that, and I noticed some of the choices that you made. When You don't have a lot of options. You don't have other cameras to cut away. So that was, like, the first thing uh, that I really appreciated about it. But then just as it went on, as it went on, you know, it just started to hit hit home so much, like I told you. And, uh, yeah, it was just just tough for me. Um, And I find myself... I find myself uh, getting to the point now. You said something in the Q and A that um, it kind of resonated with me because I often have been reticent or reluctant to put myself in the stories. You know what I mean? Uh, so that was was that tough for you to to make that decision? It, it was yeah, it was tough, but but you know more like a, it's not that I like have a beef against personal doxing. No, I know. It's yeah. Just, yeah. I, I would just—it's it, just hard. Once you put yourself in, then all this—it's already hard enough to get perspective and making a film because sure. you know, they're so in it. Um, so it would just make it even more difficult. And in a way, I feel like you know, the story I wanted to tell was a verite mm-hmm. sort of film that you get to experience, and I just didn't know how to do that with it's- with. You know, having my personal story. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I feel like yeah. So it was, it was, it was sort of like a a, a storytelling problem more than For more sure. than like a vulnerability. What was the problem. point where where you found yourself like, look, this is going to be aided so much by me putting myself into the narrative. Because um, it really like oh, so you said it last night, right? Did somebody me, suggest I, that yeah, to you? I'm trying to think. It, it was, well, someone suggested that, that I should put my story in the film. Right. That, that was a moment where I was like, all right, fine, maybe. Because I had sort of thought about it. Yeah. Like, but when someone know. else says it, like an objective party, yeah, it tends yeah. to weigh a little bit differently. Yeah, and at that point, I, the, you know, I was a rough cut screening where I felt like I had like, learned a little bit how to manage rough cut screenings. So when that person said it, I was like, can I get a show of hands of who else thinks I should try for something <laughs> film? And like, it was everybody. And I was like, oh, okay, this is yeah, yeah. saying something. Then you got to listen yeah. to them. Yeah. Um, I also like one of the things that kind of hit me was uh, how we tend to normalize behavior like that. Uh, I noticed that. I mean, you notice that with the kid, with the kids, but also I kind of noticed that with your mom and dude, it fucking like just like my mom, you know. And I ended up having my dad quit drinking. We ended up having a great, you know, uh, relationship before he passed. So it ended, everything ended well, but even still, we'll tell these stories, and I'll find my mom, like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And I think, like, your mom said almost that exact line, like, or I didn't think it was that bad. And, and Nina mirrors that, and I think, you know, there's... I set out with this idea that 
relationships, you know, relationships with fathers is going to be a big thing. I didn't expect this, like, mother-son relationship to sort of take such, you know, become a theme um, that's mirrored in a lot of different ways as well. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's this defense, um, and that's, you know, that all figures out into the cycle of violence. Yeah. Where, I mean, why is that, do you think? I mean, the cycle of violence is, is you know, like, uh, an abuser abuses, um, a, you know, someone in a relationship, and um, that person, uh, you know, is hurt, they want to get away, but then um, immediately after the abuser um, will apologize, you know, and, like, try to win them back, and then there will be a period of, of like, relatively it's a little bit better. Yep. and then it just builds up again, and that's the cycle. And so, you know, you're... you're what happens to, to the women in these situations is that, you know, you basically, you're in, you're in love with some, someone that hurts you, and it's like, and they know that, and so they, you know, it's a form of control, so. Hmm. Um, did this help you navigate, you know, dealing or deal, deal with it yourself, like making the film, putting it out there? I know you talked about it a little bit last night, like. I think in conjunction with therapy. Right, right, right. It was like the perfect, like, you know, in a way this, this project was like a big homework assignment outside of therapy, to, you know, like this real world practicum. Um, but I think, you know, there's things that like sort of help you formulate it into um, a bigger pattern and make you feel like, you know, you're not alone. And um, therapy did that. I took a 40 hour domestic violence course, you know, where you like learn the, the, the available studies that have been done. Um, you know, what is the cycle of violence? Like, how do these, um, how do these uh, cycles get uh, complicated by, by like class and race? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and then just like talking about it, like to, to people, like, getting perspective, not only on just making the film, but you know, having these conversations for the first time with, with people in my life. How do we not repeat these patterns? Because uh, it seems like even people like, I know now I have the best intentions, you know, but I see, uh, I don't drink like my, my dad did, and, and I know that that's something I always have to deal with, and I'm kind of pushing further and further away from it as I get older. But like, temper's the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we kind of chatted about on the emails, like this it creeps its way in there. Well, I mean, you understand that, like, you know, our, our childhoods are so precious, and that's where we learn a lot of things that are invisible to us, you know. I mean, we really have this alarm system, you know. When you burn yourself in a stove for the first time when you're a kid, it's like you automatically pull back. But, you know, when you experience things that aren't normal in the household, you, your alarm system becomes faulty, right? And, you know, and then you grow up and you never sort of realize that you have this alarm system in the first place. So when something triggers you or something like happens that sort of, you know, your body remembers as something that, you know, as a child you had to do something to react against that. You know, like, if you, you know, say your dad was angry and, you know, you had to, like, get all quiet or, or like, you know, like turn into a different person as a kid um, to, to sort of temper that or to, like, not let that get any further so that it you know, affects you or whatever. Um, you're... you're adult self is going to remember that. Um, so just to understand that, like, you know, there's some things that are just, like, built into us. Yeah. It's not, not in a fatalistic way, like, not, that, not in a way that we can never unlearn, but, you know, I think that's the first step. And then the next step is, you know, sort of trying to, you know, it's, it's like testing for allergies or something. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you just have to sort of work at it. And, and be no conscious of right it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think, it, you know, the main shortcut for most people is therapy, you know, being able to talk it through and starting to have these self-realizations slowly, you know, as the boys find in the gap do. What so. was the most helpful thing for you in therapy? Um, probably realizing 
realizing like that I that I was uncomfortable around my mom, you know, because I, I never even like realized that it was blind spot, but I felt it like you know. Were you guys close growing up? Not really. No, she wasn't around that much. So realizing like you know all these things about because because there's this ideal of especially if you have a, a you know bad relationship with your father, this ideal of motherhood yeah. that you that our society sort of you know builds up in our heads and. Um, in a way, they like are just this loving, perfect mom in our heads, and um, you, you know, I had that, and I, that was my obstacle to seeing that. You know, actually, I felt really uncomfortable around her. I felt um, like anxious and stressed whenever I was around her. Um, this is when you were younger, or even even now, as you got older, yeah, even now. Now. So. Why do you think that is? I think it's because. Uh, she needs a lot of help, and I think she tried to, like, you know, try to have me sort of be her support system growing up. Um, mm. And I tried. It's a lot of weight for the kids. There's a lot of weight, yeah, and and so you know, even though I tried to sort of be that for her, I like didn't. I wasn't honest about the fact that I didn't. I was actually really uncomfortable by that. Mm. So. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not in ther- therapy currently. I, <laughs> I want to go back, but when I first went, it was I had similar aha moments where it was just like, holy shit, like all the pressure I had put on myself as a kid. I would tell him things that I thought were very normal, and he was like, dude, that's... <laughs> he was very simple. Yeah. like, that's a lot of pressure for a 12-year-old or whatever. And I was like, hey, you're kind of right. Like, I'm putting, like, my whole... Because this was a long path. Like, my dad, when he quit drinking, got into genealogy. Uh, just as to feel that like hobby you know and uh, dude it's like every minute in the book it's just a pattern like he definitely grew up that way Uh, even worse but it was just 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 a pattern yeah no my mom's parents were like beat her and they like my mom's dad like beat you know but it was your step it was your stepdad but then my step you know but like she she got into these relationships with these men that were right right you know abusive so it's it's definitely did you see three identical strangers yeah yeah that brought up a lot of like you know, issues that was of, amazing. Of, like, what is handed down through no, just sure. our genes and shit, you know, like, yeah, so I don't know, it's, it's, um, it's really well, interesting, but it's, you know, I, I think it's great that you're thinking about it, and then, oh, I've, you know, I mean, I'm constantly thinking yeah. about it, it's tough, because I don't know, what was, so how old were you when this was, like, the abuse was happening? Um, what, I was eight years old, okay. eight years old was when we moved in with him, and that was the okay. first time that he, you know, I was alone with him, and he asked me to go get some firewood. And I was like, no thanks. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I said that, but he took me, just threw me across the room, and you know, it was, yeah, that was. And I kind of blocked out a lot of memories. Yeah. Like my brother remembers everything, but like I blocked. Your out brother's a lot. younger or older? I can't. Well, younger, about like nine years. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, man, because most of it. So I'm, my brother was a lot older, and his your stepfather wasn't a drinker or anything like that. That's not he, where this he was stemmed in from. the past, which I found out later. When I did some, I sort of went and interviewed his daughter, my stepsister, his daughters, and found out a little bit of background on him. Um, at one point, we were really building him up and trying to, you know, like, sort of yeah. investigating who he was and how that. Like why? Yeah, <laughs> like, why? You know, but I mean, it's ultimately it's, it's you know we figured it's actually more resonant when it's just more about me and yeah. you know because I'm connected to these stories that you're invested in and my stepfather is just you know feels a little extraneous to a certain extent so did your brother experience it as well oh yeah and he was younger than worse than you yeah because he you know that's his biological son and uh, he was always okay. with him I went you know like my mom and I like moved out several times right. and so I was sort of always with her so there was like periods where you know, he was not in, not in her life 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he was my brother is always with me. And, uh, my brother is like, you know, I think he struggles with things way worse than I do. He didn't graduate high school, you know, just working at a fast food restaurant. Like, really, you know, he, he like doesn't open up at all. So. It's similar to, to my brother was older, six, seven years, and he took the brunt of it, like the physical abuse. Yeah. Because my dad was like, cool when you're young, and then when you started to become a man, that's when he, okay. that's when he would kind of like transition. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, he loved, loved babies, loved, loved me when I was, when I was a kid. Uh, and then he quit when I was about 14. And that was okay. good because he was getting super weak, and I was like, it, you know, my brother got physical with him. And it's interesting for me to look at because my brother's still completely fucked up by it. Like, he, he went down the alcoholic train and uh, is in recovery now. He's been sober for about a year. Yeah. Um, repeated a lot of the same patterns. Um, for me, I was like a kid, five, and like normalized. Like, I thought that was normal. I'd talk to my teachers and just be like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, and my mom would tell me not to tell, you know, tell people about it. And, yeah, it was like we'd step over my dad as he'd be passed out on the floor. And, uh, yeah, but my brother found himself having to kind of, like, defend the family. And so it's almost like a reversal of, of you and yours. Like, my brother definitely took the brunt of it. But it's like the same shit happened to me. It happened to me as a kid where I thought it was normal. And so psychologically, you know, I just, as I get older, I want to be conscious of it because... It's there, you know? Yeah. So we dealt with the same thing. We yeah. maybe handle it a little yeah. bit differently, but I fight the same demons that my brother yeah. fights. That's why, that's why I made the film, because I was so terrified of, like, what if this just starts happening? You know, right. and, like, and never, what can I do? I don't know. Yeah, know? and I've had a, I've had a yeah. girl, the girl now is, like, the perfect girl for me, you know? We're having a kid, everything's great. But I've had other relationships. Like, I will hear the same kinds of expressions yourself, come out. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck. Terrified, like yes, yeah. it's terrifying. Or some girl one time told me, because I just she, that was a tumultuous, bad relationship. But she got me all tuned up, and I was like, screaming. And she said, "You look like a monster." Screaming, and then I just like paused, just done because there was a very specific monster in my life growing up, and I knew what that looked like. And then to think about that being me, my face with those expressions, I was like, "Dude, that's yeah, that's rough." Um, yeah, man. But I think job well done for sure. I know that took a long time to find to find that narrative yeah. when you're just shooting and shooting yeah. and shooting yeah. and shooting. But um, yeah, it, it was. I don't know, man. It it was great. But uh, the friends, like, that's the same same people I grew up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like running around doing right. antics. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it just uh, it hit home, man. So I appreciate it. I'm glad you came out. And I'm, glad, I'm glad it touched you in the way you did, and I'm glad you reached out. You know, like, honestly, that's the sort of impact that we hope to have with the film is to, you know, well, open this up and make people remember, like, like this, this shit matters. Like, it definitely you know, does. And it's honestly inspirational to me as a filmmaker as well because... Uh, from another perspective, I just I have fought and still not fight, but you know, resisted that putting myself into it or opening myself up. And recently, uh, recently this year, I just started saying, you know what, any project that I do, I'm going to be speaking like from the heart and writing a lot more. And things have, you know, things have just started uh, opening up more once you make that decision to just like pull it off, open the shit up, yeah. let people peek inside. It's a little scary, you know yeah. what I mean? But then like. Yeah. You know, the writing has gotten better. We've gotten some you know, publications. Things have just felt more authentic, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I went to school for literature, and I wanted to become a writer. And, you yeah. know, one of the things you learn is, like, you know, like, 
use write write what you know what you experience you know because that's that's always going to be the most real and, and it's translatable just when what you know is something this fucking dark yeah. sometimes it's a little hard but uh but it doesn't have to be all you know it doesn't have, you know yeah it, no, no, it no. feels dark because, yeah I mean there's there's the bright and the, and the well, stormy you know right it, well yeah. you know it isn't until you really start telling people that you realize that it is like like I said this shit was normal to me yeah. you know yeah and so you don't realize that my mom will still be like you know he was <laughs> he, you know she knows it was bad but like I think she definitely like hides some of that stuff and buries it deep deep under and it's like oh, mom this shit was not People don't, you know, always go to this, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, stories can help, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Um, What's up next for you? I'm going to go to get some, the barbecue. Are you going to go to the barbecue? Um, right. What time is it? It's coming up soon, yeah? Uh, yeah, it should be uh, 15 minutes at the armor. Uh, I think I have a date with my lady. So <laughs> when's, the, when's your child due? Dude, like any day. Like oh, I, It could have happened while I was here. So like while I was in Three Identical Strangers or whatever, I'm just like oh, checking my yeah, phone, yeah. making sure it's yeah. texted. Yeah. That's wild. Do you guys um, get a, like a hospital lineup? How does that work? Yeah, everything's good. Okay, there's, cool. there's a great local hospitals around here. Um, and uh, so everything, I mean, we're good. We got the go bag. We're good to go. But, uh, <laughs> go bag. Yeah, I remember yeah, that yeah. when I was... It's that, a real thing. Yeah, I filmed. Well, we thought there's a scene that's not in the film where it uh, went with Zach. Oh, was that? Yeah. To go. They, she was a week late, so so she had to get induced. Oh, okay. Um, so it was like you know they had their go bag ready. Yeah, I remember him actually said something about that. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what got you know. The film was great. I walked out of the film, you know, came home. And I just Maya is my girlfriend's name, and she was like, oh, how was it? I was like, ah, oh, it's pretty good. Like, as I was leave, as I was leaving here, I'm like walking through the halls. And I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> and it just started kind of oh, like yeah just uh, you know it's like you know cause you I battle that every now and then every yeah. month or so you'll feel just like down a couple of days yeah. and it's not it's not chronic but it's there and so I was like man I'm feeling a little fucking heavy you know and she as I got home you know it came more and more to the surface and uh, she was like how, how was the film I was like oh, it's good uh got me yeah, it was a little heavy <laughs> you know um, but then as I got talking to her about it uh, it just started coming up because now did she know have you told her about your upbringing? oh yeah, yeah yeah, I'm very open about it now okay. like I said yeah. I did this little storytelling mic the other night and told that's the one I sent you or like the moth or something uh, yeah it's very similar there's a local one called the Monty cool. yeah I did a few uh, of the moth yeah. a couple of them actually you know helped me definitely it was like I was like I challenged myself I was like I'm gonna get up there I'm gonna tell a story Dude. about you know my Abuse yeah, when you when you when you get a moment, it's five minutes. Check check that one out because that's what I did. It took me the forever. Monty. Yeah, uh, the, I, the the video I sent you was uh, oh, was that. Oh, that's one. what it is. Okay. Yeah, it's like a five minute. You know, they give you a theme a couple days before, yeah. and uh, the theme was secrets. So that was like oh, my yeah. family secret. Okay. You know, and so uh, most of them are kind of like it's not comedians, but most of it was comedic, and I can't yeah. really drop that shit on yeah. them. And it was just like, but uh, yeah, I won that one. So it's like a. Comp, uh, grand competition oh, cool. this this, uh, this month. Oh, so, yeah. so you're gonna get sent? Is it like uh, where are you gonna head? It's low. It's local. Oh, okay. um, but uh, they've been doing it for ten years. It's very it's very much like the the Monty. But these yeah, yeah. story slams they have is like a competition. So they'll give you a theme. You get your name drawn. Go up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so I went like four or five times. Three or four of those times, my name was drawn first. Oh, shit. It was you know it was like the toughest thing to go first. There's a tough, but it's good. I mean, I think I think it helps. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when I was talking to Maya last night, I was just, like, I walked away, started, like, making some dinner, I walked back, and I was like, babe, I'm not, 
and I, as I'm saying, I'm just like, it's like I'm not, I'm not gonna do this shit, you know, to our little girl. But it's a constant, like a constant battle. Like I said, I'm not drinking in the same way. So it's not like that, but it's just those little things, like yeah. how I react. I'm tuned in to, you know, fight to yell, yeah. to scream. You know what yeah. I mean? That's like your your just yeah. Like that's my default. The, the, the default. Yeah. 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 Is, so yeah. so good. The, the woman that I found because she's just like cool. Yeah. and just like you know but if I had somebody that's like they flare up too uh-huh. it's, it's a disaster so yeah. I think as long as like people like us continue to be conscious about it yeah. and work at it but people yeah. that try to mirror that shit down I think yeah. it, it emerges in terrible ways as we get older yeah I've been I've, I've been doing yoga every morning that helps that's like a good morning Dude, routine I've been meditating 20 yeah. minutes every day um, I, you know stay pretty physically active yeah. doing a lot of stuff but having something like that completely yeah. physical and mental practice you know yeah, I, mean? I don't get to skate as much as I used to but you know when I skate it's like you know it's, it's like meditating because I'm 100% I, it's ter- left brain is turned off completely that's yeah. that's the, like I said the first thing that called me about it because so many people look at anything like that and don't see what it really is you know yeah. a lot of my, I've always been caught between a sports world because I've always been an athlete and my artistic world because I've always been into writing and theater and film and a lot of my film nerd you're friends like, you're like Linklater yeah I fucking love Linklater yeah. yeah he's like he's both, he was both like dude and I struggled and theater, I, I struggled yeah. my whole life and now I'm finally like dude stop compartmentalizing them and worried about how you're being labeled and just let them go together and again things are starting to happen the more honest I'm being about who I am it shows in your work right but a lot of times my film nerd friends will like see sports and like not get it you know and or fitness or anything like that because I do a lot of stuff in that space and it's like it's so much more than you know what it looks like so I love that it was a skateboarding documentary but that, that was pretty sweet um yeah man that's it I appreciate your time brother it was great to meet you yeah it was great to meet you too definitely absolutely my name is Rain Bennett thanks for listening and join us next time on the Storytelling Lab catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 